Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about leaky gut syndrome. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen in to our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steve Annette as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. So this week, we're going to be talking about a topic that's kind of come up on a lot of the previous podcasts and something that you learned about in the 1990s, and it has to do with leaky gut syndrome. So can you give us a simple explanation as far as what that is? Sure. Uh, Leaky gut syndrome is a condition in which the lining of the small intestine becomes damaged, which means that the tight junctions between your intestines and your bloodstream develop cracks or holes, causing undigested food particles, toxic waste products, and bacteria to leak through the intestinal barrier, and they end up flooding the bloodstream, which can create numerous problems, especially inflammation. And this is particularly true for people with the autoimmune disorder, celiac disease, and Crohn's disease. Okay. So it's kind of like the grout between the tile and your shower is not as solid as it should be. And there's cracks in there. And so there's water that gets through the cracks and gets behind the wall and gets your drywall moist and wet and you get mold that builds up there. And then you have to tear out your entire shower and redo it. Well, I guess that you're not tearing out your entire intestines, but kind of like that. Okay. Well, an important point is that leaky gut syndrome is not a recognized medical diagnosis. So if I had someone come in with this condition, I currently have to call it unspecified functional intestinal disorder or intestinal malabsorption. So it's not even recognized yet. Well, that's an insurance industry thing, I assume. Yes. And the the statistical diagnostic, what is the name of that book? DSM, Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So it's not in there or in the the insurance codes, or is it in there, but not in the insurance codes? It's not in the insurance code book. So it might be in the DSM, maybe not. But basically, it's not a recognized thing for insurance companies, which, of course, that is really what's important when it comes to healthcare is whether insurance companies recognize something as a valid disease or not, because if they don't, it doesn't exist. Wrong. Okay, so another point is that Since it's not a recognized medical diagnosis, most mainstream medical professionals don't recognize it as a real condition, even though there actually is quite a bit of scientific evidence that it does exist and may be associated with multiple health problems. Exactly. So, you know, a good example of this is the fact that acupuncture has been around for thousands of years getting great results, but medicine poo-pooed it until recently when medical studies proved its workability. 
So just because something isn't taught in medical school and doesn't have tons of medical studies to back it up, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or doesn't work. So, uh, since leaky gut syndrome is a relatively newly recognized condition, it just doesn't have many studies backing it yet, but someday it will. All right, good. Yeah. So now how does leaky gut syndrome come about? Well, it comes about because various things like foods, chemicals, drugs, and even microorganisms like bacteria, parasites, and yeast can damage the protective lining and barrier of the intestines, causing all kinds of things to seep through into the bloodstream that shouldn't. And you see the walls of the intestines act as barriers and they control what enters the bloodstream to be transported to your organs. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the intestinal lining covers more than 4,000 square feet of surface area in the average person. Wow. It's just hard to wrap your head around. I know. You know? That's about a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house with a den and a family room and a nice little living room, dining room combination. Exactly. That's like one wing in LeBron James's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This doesn't normally happen quickly, leaky gut syndrome. In fact, it pretty much is due to a constant chronic exposure of a combination of the items that I just mentioned. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's how it comes about. Now, what are the main risk factors that lead to leaky gut syndrome? Well, first and foremost is poor diet. Mm -hmm. So that would include increased sugar intake. Sugar tends to feed bacteria and yeast, which can also damage the gut lining. Mm -hmm. GMO foods, processed foods, and preservatives introduce high amounts of chemicals and toxins into the body that can ultimately cause inflammation. All right. And then lectins. These are large proteins found in plants and animals, the most notorious being gluten. Right. A lot of people know about that. Of course. So what lectins do is they attach the, to the digestive lining, causing damage and inflammation. And we'll go into this in more detail on uh, the upcoming Plant Paradox podcast. Okay. Yeah. So next up would be chronic stress. Uh, stress suppresses your immune system, which then negatively affects the balance of good and bad bacteria in your intestines. And this results in more gut inflammation. Again, excess toxins, uh, we went over this in great detail in the detoxifying podcast number 23. And toxins can irritate the intestinal lining and lead to inflammation as well as weak immunity. Okay. Medications. Uh, this is an important point. Most medications... If you take them in low dosages and particularly in short periods of time or just occasionally, they're usually okay as far as minimal damage to the gut, but long-term or excessive use increases your susceptibility to leaky gut syndrome. Good point. So in particular, painkillers, including over-the-counter what are called NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, those would be like aspirin, Aleve, and Advil. Mm-hmm. They can damage the intestinal lining and reduce the protective mucus that protects that lining, making it more susceptible to inflammation. So, I mean, that's just ironic. You're taking anti-inflammatories, but you become more susceptible to inflammation. Yeah, I don't know if it's ironic or I'd call it something else actually myself, but I won't. Okay. Um, antibiotics kill the good bacteria in the colon, causing an imbalance, which also makes inflammation more favorable. Okay. Long-term use of oral contraceptive pills increases a woman's risk. Hmm. All right. And then acid-reducing drugs like Zantac, Prilosec, Nexium, and Protonix 
negatively affects the gut bacteria and the mucus lining, which is the barrier wall of your intestines also. Okay. So the next thing would be candida and can in particular candida overgrowth. And candida is a type of yeast that's normally found in the gut, but when it begins to grow out of control, it sticks to the mucus lining and causes inflammation. Hmm. Yeah. And then another critter to talk about is uh, parasites. Um, they're almost impossible to avoid altogether since they're in dirt, they're from our pets, and even in vegetables as well as meats and fish. And normally, they're neutralized by stomach acid when they're ingested, but with the increased amount of antacid medications prescribed, they can be very troublesome in the intestines, latching onto the walls, and they have like suckers and talons doing all kinds of damage. Did you know that many of the most famous creatures in horror films like Alien and Predator are based on human parasites? I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Also, parasites like to feed on undigested proteins that result from low hydrochloric acid in the stomach, which again may be worsened by taking antacids. Right. And also, after the age of 30, we produce approximately 1% less hydrochloric acid per year the rest of our lives. And so this is why bone density conditions increase as we age, because hydrochloric acid is vital for the absorption of not only protein, but also calcium and magnesium, which are all important for bone density and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another thing is zinc deficiency. Zinc is not only important for, as you know, a strong immune system, mm -hmm. but a deficiency of zinc can lead to the mucus lining losing its strength, which obviously can lead to leaky gut syndrome. I didn't know that. I didn't either until this week. Okay. Yeah. There's a word dysbiosis that people will tend to see. It's D-Y-S-B-I-O-S-I-S. And what this is, it's a fancy term for imbalance between beneficial and harmful bacteria in the gut. And having more of the harmful bacteria in the gut leads to irritation and inflammation in the small intestine, which weakens it and, and obviously increases your chances of leaky gut syndrome. Hmm. Okay. So a lot of this has to do with the correct balance of the right type of bacteria in your digestive tract. Yes. Okay. And then finally, excessive alcohol consumption can promote the growth of bad bacteria as well as candida in the intestines, and it can create toxins, which increase inflammation too. All right. Those are a lot of good points to keep in mind as far as what makes you susceptible to getting leaky gut syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so then what are the most common symptoms when somebody does have leaky gut syndrome? Well, that would include uh, digestive issues like chronic diarrhea, constipation, gas, or bloating. Food sensitivities tend to occur with this. Mm -hmm. Personal tend to feel more fatigued. Mm -hmm. And you'll see skin problems, including rashes, acne, eczema, and rosacea. Mm -hmm. You'll tend to see cravings for sugar or carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. It can also be associated with arthritis or joint pain. All right. And even mental disorders can occur, including depression, anxiety, attention deficit, and hyperactivity. Mm probably due to malabsorption of nutrients, in particular amino acids. Okay. Yeah. So then what is it that causes those symptoms to occur? Well, the causes of those symptoms really goes back to the risk factors that we just went over. And again, starting with poor diet, when you eat too much sugar, processed foods, GMO foods, if you drink too much alcohol and you eat too many foods with lectins, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And you're likely going to have more bacteria, yeast, and even parasites with all of these producing horribly uncomfortable symptoms. 
you know, I actually have a candida yeast questionnaire that comes from the book, The Yeast Connection. And every one of the symptoms that we just went over can be associated just with yeast overgrowth. Wow. Yeah. So basically, the things that really cause these symptoms are the imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the intestines, the exposure to toxic chemicals, bad food choices, poorly digested food, nutritional deficiencies, and the overuse of various medications. All right. Yeah. So I have a question for you. How would you be able to tell whether what they have going on is leaky gut syndrome since a lot of these symptoms are similar to other types of conditions? It's a great question because, yeah, there's a lot of conditions that can mimic each other. Chronic fatigue syndrome can mimic fibromyalgia, can mimic hypothyroidism, can mimic candida. So that's where you have to really put your Sherlock Holmes skills to work. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's uh, questionnaires, getting a really good history, and there's also a couple of lab tests that can be run to determine if a person has leaky gut syndrome. We went over that in one of our previous podcasts. Right. All right. That's good. And what other kinds of health conditions can leaky gut syndrome lead to? Well, actually, there are numerous studies that have connected leaky gut syndrome with multiple chronic diseases. And if you remember on our autoimmune podcast number 24, I revealed the fact that research also shows that every person with an autoimmune disease has some degree of leaky gut. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. So the most common conditions associated with leaky gut syndrome, all of which are autoimmune conditions, are celiac disease, mm -hmm. type 1 diabetes, Crohn's disease, and irritable bowel syndrome. Okay. So leaky gut syndrome can also lead to food allergies, especially since large undigested food particles can seep through the intestinal lining. And when they arrive in the bloodstream, the cells have a difficult time identifying them since they are not easily recognizable. So an example would be, let's say you eat a piece of steak and it's not fully broken down. Mm -hmm. And this big chunk of steak ends up in your bloodstream and the cells look at it and say, what the hell are you? And have no idea. So then they literally attack it as if it's like an invader, like a bacteria or virus. Right. And therefore you have an allergy because your body's producing antibodies to food. All right. Well, I hate to say it, but I kind of doubt a big chunk of steak would get into your bloodstream. <laughs> Maybe a molecule or two. Okay. I just had this picture of like this big chunk of filet mignon that's like traveling through my capillaries and blocking them and all the blood is building up behind it and my head's going to explode. So <laughs> only you would think of that. Of course. Oh my God. Um, all right. So that makes sense. And that was something you talked about in the autoimmune episode where something gets in there and your body thinks it's something else and it attacks it. And so this is a kind of that type of thing where certain pieces, little itty bitty pieces of steak would get through the intestinal lining into your bloodstream and would be considered a foreign body and would get attacked. And that would be how the allergy would develop. Right. Okay. So other conditions that leaky gut syndrome has been linked to include chronic fatigue syndrome, migraines, multiple sclerosis, fibromyalgia, thyroid abnormalities, and of course, autism. Now, what seems strange about those is if somebody was going in even to see you for some of those conditions, like thyroid condition or something like that, would you think to check for leaky gut syndrome? Well, we do a holistic approach because people bring in a whole list of problems. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
So we, we look at the whole body. We don't just look at the thyroid. We look at everything. We check their diet and typically they'll have other symptoms going on. Hypothyroidism, people tend to be constipated. So we also want to look at the gut with that too. All right. So that's a good reason for why people need to come in and get a proper examination in history rather than just going, hey, just look at my blank because it hurts me or I think I'm having problems with such and such. So that makes sense because you have things like leaky gut that could lead to certain conditions like migraine headaches. Who would think? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, we can check your neck. We can check what you're eating. But the fact that it could come from leaky gut syndrome, most people wouldn't necessarily even think of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So that explains why you need to have a complete history examination, et cetera. Yes. All right. Now, are there any medical solutions for leaky gut syndrome? I know you said that it's not really recognized, but it sounds like it's starting to get some more attention. So for those doctors that actually do recognize it and think it isn't a non-existent condition, what type of things do they do for their patients? I'm going to start out by referencing an article from Healthline, which is a privately owned provider of health information and the second largest and fastest growing consumer health publisher in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. In this article, the author, who's a registered dietitian, says that leaky gut syndrome is not an official medical diagnosis, and there is not yet a recommended course of treatment. Okay. However, at the same time, she says that there is enough evidence showing that leaky gut syndrome does exist, so she gives steps on how to improve your gut health. So that'll be our medical reference. Okay. The one thing that she really emphasizes is increasing the number of beneficial bacteria in the gut by doing several things. One, taking probiotic supplements. Mm -hmm. Two, eating fermented foods, which happen to contain probiotics, and that includes plain yogurt, kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, and kombucha. Okay. And eating plenty of high fiber foods, fruits, vegetables, and legumes, which actually feed the good bacteria. They're called prebiotics. Mm Mm-hmm. And other recommendations include limiting refined carbohydrate intake, as well as the intake of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. All right. So that's the medical recommendation. Yeah. And it's actually pretty sound. It's incomplete, but I'll go with it. Right. Well, it's not perfect either. There's certain things in there that she recommended that when we get into the plant paradox actually could worsen the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So that's not bad, though, considering that, you know, in a lot of cases, it's chop something off, cut something out, or give some kind of poison to the person. All right. So then that's the medical approach. What are the most effective alternative solutions that you know of for leaky gut syndrome? Again, it obviously has to start with diet, especially the standard American diet or the SAD diet. Mm Mm-hmm. So any foods that promote inflammation are at the top of the list to avoid. So I would recommend reviewing the anti-inflammatory diet that we went over in previous episodes, including the podcast on weight loss and inflammation. Okay. The avoidance of certain foods and chemicals in our diet is really the key to this instead of just taking supplements to try to heal the intestinal lining and increase beneficial bacteria. Right. So you want to get at the root cause. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the big culprits to reduce or eliminate altogether, and I'm going to enhance the list given by the registered dietitian that we just went over are refined sugars, especially fructose, Mm -hmm. artificial sweeteners, Mm -hmm. gluten containing grains, and that would be wheat, barley, rye, and often oats, saturated fats and omega-6 fatty acids, which we talked about that, 
see, we're really coming full circle on all mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Excessive alcohol and non-organic and especially GMO foods like corn and soy. Right. And unfortunately, with both of those, it's almost impossible to get something that you can eat that isn't GMO. That's right. Now, when it comes to supplements, the top of the list is probiotics. And again, you can get it in certain foods like plain yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, and kombucha. And as far as yogurt and kefir, I recommend that it comes from goat milk instead of dairy milk since it's easier to assimilate in general. Okay. So we're now into the things you should be doing for it as opposed to the previous list, which was things to avoid. Yeah. Okay. And when you choose a probiotic supplement, it's best to get one that is refrigerated and has many different types of probiotics instead of just one or two. Why is that? Because there's so many strains that are in the body that you want to just try to increase all of them or as many as you possibly can. So for example, I like the brand Renew Life, which is actually a local company out here from Palm Harbor. Hmm. And the one I use from them has 12 different probiotic strains and 15 billion total live cultures. Okay. Some sources say that you should take 50 billion live cultures per day when you're severely depleted in probiotics. And that would, for example, be like after you've taken antibiotics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're going to do it on a regular basis, I take one a day. Mine has 15 billion in it. There's one that Alf recommends. I don't know if you found it out from him. Elsa was telling me that he'd recommended it, that you can take even when you're taking antibiotics. It's probably one of the most powerful ones around. If you haven't, you probably should get in touch with him and find out about it because it was very interesting hearing about that. Sounds good. Yep. Okay. Well, other supplements that I've found excellent for leaky gut syndrome include organic whole leaf aloe juice. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's excellent for any type of tissue that's irritated or damaged by inflammation. So it can definitely help the gut lining heal up if it's irritated. Good. L-glutamine is an amino acid that contributes to healing leaky gut by repairing the gut's mucus lining and closing up the tight junctions in your intestine along with reducing inflammation. And so you can take it alone or as part of a supplement such as Total Leaky Gut by NutriWest. That's one that you like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, fiber is very important because it includes what are called prebiotics that we just went over. And that's, again, food that allows probiotics to thrive in the gut. And so if your gut is super inflamed, then you'll want to get your fiber from steamed vegetables and fruits, not raw, but steamed, cooked. Oh, because then it doesn't irritate the inflamed intestines. Right. Okay. And once your intestines are less sensitive, then you can supplement around 30 to 40 grams of fiber in the form of things like ground flax seeds, chia seeds, or hemp seeds, and not from psyllium, which is a laxative that can actually irritate the intestinal lining. Now, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Another valuable nutrient is deglycerized licorice root, which helps the body maintain the mucus lining in the stomach and small intestine. And this one's especially beneficial if someone's leaky gut is being caused by stress. Uh, licorice is also good for your adrenals. That's good to know. So that's why it helps with stress. Now, this one I love because I use it all the time, and that's bone broth. This is helpful because it contains collagen, which actually becomes gelatin when it's cooked. Okay. So supplementing with collagen or gelatin can improve your stomach acid production and also aid in restoring the integrity and health of your intestinal mucus lining because collagen contains the amino acids proline and glycine. Mm-hmm. which are essential building blocks to help repair damaged tissue, including the intestinal lining. 
Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And by the way, you can get a 32-ounce container of organic bone broth at Walmart for less than $4 now. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, digestive enzymes, especially betaine hydrochloride, pepsin, and the pancreatic enzyme protease, these are all important for protein digestion. And when hydrochloric acid in particular is deficient, it can result in the overgrowth of harmful bacteria in the intestines. Mm -hmm. And again, most people have lower levels of hydrochloric acid in their stomach as they age. And when people have digestive problems like heartburn, indigestion, and even acid reflux, most of the time it's due to not enough acid instead of too much acid. So the way to find out is if you're deficient in uh, hydrochloric acid is to take either a couple teaspoons of lemon juice or apple cider vinegar with your meals that contain protein. Mm -hmm. And if you feel better, that usually means that you're low in hydrochloric acid and supplementing with lemon juice or apple cider vinegar are actually acidic compounds that help you digest protein better and help the stomach stimulate hydrochloric acid production. Very good. Yeah. So, you know, you can also take a betaine hydrochloride supplement. And you can tell if you're taking too many when you develop a warming sensation in your stomach. So when you get to that point, you back off by taking one less. You mean just before the hole opens in your stomach and your insides? Not quite. And one other thing I'd like to add is another really effective treatment for any condition that involves inflammation and tissue damage is cold laser therapy. Right. It reduces inflammation and heals damaged tissue. You can find out more about this in our cold laser therapy podcast. Absolutely. That's episode number 15. Mm -hmm. All right. So now how can somebody lower their risk of developing leaky gut syndrome? Well, to lower the risk of getting it, you just need to address the risk factors that we went over earlier with, again, diet being the one to start with. Mm -hmm. And... Next up would be reduce your stress levels by doing things like taking walks, take a vacation, avoid mean and suppressive people, and try to avoid taking prescribed drugs for stress, which are likely contributing to the leaky gut syndrome. Yeah, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. I'd also recommend using the Environmental Working Group app and website that we went over in detail in the Personal Care Products and Cleaning Products podcast mm -hmm. so that you're consciously reducing the number of toxins that you're putting into your body. Good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, avoid taking high-dose prescription painkillers as well as other medications like antacids, over-the-counter, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and antibiotics for long stretches of time. So if you need to use them to get through a day or two, that's fine. All right. Well, there's certain emergency situations, like if somebody's got pneumonia, you're not going to avoid drugs completely because you can die from it. Right. But the thing is, once the situation has been resolved, then you don't want to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Another smart thing to do is to get checked for candida and parasites. And the most accurate tests are poop tests that we send to a lab. Mm -hmm. But you can get muscle tested and take questionnaires to get a pretty good idea that you have them. And we do that in our office. Yeah. Excellent. And there also happens to be a simple zinc test that you can take in which you take a small liquid sample of zinc and swoosh it in your mouth for about 10 seconds. And depending on how it tastes, you'll know if you have enough or are lacking zinc. I remember that. Yeah. All right. And where would somebody get liquid zinc? Standard Process and NutriWest both produce one of these. It's okay. called the zinc tally test. All right, so this isn't something that they go into their local vitamin shop and find some liquid zinc and then swish it around like mouthwash. No. Okay. 
So that's a specific test. That's good to know. Yeah. And again, we'll reference earlier um, the two lab tests that you can do to determine if you have leaky gut syndrome or not. We went over that in detail in our podcast on autoimmune conditions. Yes, that was podcast number 24. Yeah, and we even include a link on how to find out how to get that too. That's right. Okay. Very good. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say about this topic before we end? Yes. I'd like to make everyone aware of the fact that there are people who claim to be experts on health and what they think is best for everyone, but some of them are critics who are agenda-driven against alternative medicine, so beware. Mm -hmm. And the reason I brought this up is in this episode is because I reviewed the Wikipedia page for leaky gut syndrome, which is extremely negative, by the way, and includes a barb from a notorious critic who calls leaky gut syndrome a fad diagnosis that is used as an opportunity for proponents of it to sell alternative health remedies like diets, herbs, and supplements. Mm. Yeah. So Wikipedia, as far as health and medical conditions is concerned, is not a reliable source of information since anyone with internet access can write and make changes to Wikipedia articles, regardless of whether or not the information they're submitting is true or not. Very good point. So people shouldn't get their health advice from Wikipedia. Exactly. Is that it? Yeah, I think this covers just about everything on this topic, and I'm sure we'll touch on it more in the upcoming episode on the plant paradox. Yes, we've got the next three episodes that are coming up that I'm looking at here all still fit in this area. Uh, We have next week, we're going to be talking about organic farming, which is how to get good foods, how to grow them, how to have your own organic garden and be able to get away from all the GMO crap that's out there. Then after that, we're going to be doing the plant paradox episode, which is going to be going into the information from the book written by Dr. Gundry, who was a cardiovascular surgeon and found from his years of experience that cutting people up isn't necessarily the best approach and did a lot of very thorough research. And then following that, we're going to do another episode regarding gastrointestinal problems or digestive problems that we haven't covered so far, including going more into more detail about the stomach acid situation. So we've got three in a row that are going to kind of follow where we're already at at this point. And then we're going to go off into a completely different thing, which is traveling and conditions that are related to traveling like seasickness and jet lag and so on. So the next several weeks, we're going to continue in this area because it's very important. It has a lot to do with what's underlying many health conditions for people. And I want to thank you for all of your research on this. I know that you found out about leaky gut syndrome back in 1992, was it? Somewhere around there. Was it in a Jeffrey Bland seminar that you mentioned in one of the other podcasts when you found out about this? That was more in the late 90s. Was it? Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.